Well, for the last three weeks, we have been looking at some of the lost stories of Genesis. We may be familiar with a lot of the stories in Genesis of, of Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca, of Jacob and Esau, brothers and their rivalry, of Joseph, the Joseph with the coat of many colors. But some of the stories are not so familiar. They are ones that are not included in the regular three-year cycle of lectionary readings. They are not included in the children's Sunday school lessons. And many of them are not even, some of them are not even included in, in many of our adult Bible studies. They contain topics that are difficult to understand, um, that are difficult to make peace with, Perhaps that's why they're skipped over again and again. We struggle with one of those narratives today. It's found in Genesis 34, and it's tucked right between the long saga of Jacob and his brother Esau and their trickery and their rivalry and their reconciliation and the beginning of the narrative of Joseph. Joseph, who was the favorite of Jacob, Joseph, who was sold into slavery, Joseph that had the dreams, Joseph with the coat of many colors. And this little story that's tucked in the middle is the story about Dinah. Now, why preach about Dinah? We could really just go from one narrative to the next and, and not pause here. It would be a lot less messy if we just ignored it. Why choose this lost story of Genesis? Why preach about Dinah? Well, because this narrative gives us permission to talk openly about rape and the sad history of our society's response to rape, including the silencing of victims. And perhaps... Perhaps the long history of silencing this narrative contributes to that silence. So I'm going to read for us and walk through chapter 34 with us and then share some at the end after that. Um, as we do that together, I invite you to pray for me in sharing about all of this with you, and I will pray for you because I know that it will touch many of you in lots of different ways. So let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight as we remember and claim that you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So follow along with me as I read from chapter 34 of Genesis. It begins, Now Dinah was the daughter of Leah. So let me pause for just a, a minute. Remember that Leah was the daughter of, that Jacob was deceived into marrying. 
He wanted to marry Rachel, one of Laban's daughters, but Laban tricked him, made him work for seven years, and then sent his other daughter, Leah, into the marriage tent. Later, Jacob also married Rachel, but first he married Leah. Steve talked about favoritism last week, and Leah was definitely not Jacob's favorite wife. And therefore, neither was Dinah his favorite daughter because she was Leah's daughter. So let me continue. Now, daughter, now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the region. When Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the reason, region, well, let me just stop at the first part. Sorry. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the region. She went out into Shechem, and it wasn't her town. They, they were coming through. They had just begun to kind of settle there for a while, and she went out. She went out to be sociable with the other women of the town, to extend hospitality, which is um, the divine intention of God for us to offer hospitality to one another. So she went exploring. And then when Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the region, saw her, he seized her and lay with her by force. Shechem, the son of the king, saw something that he wanted, and he took her. He seized her, and he raped her. Now, why would he do that? Some scholars, I've been reading a lot in the last few weeks, some scholars say that, that she shouldn't have been out walking by herself. She shouldn't have been in that part of town without one of her brothers there to protect her. Some other scholars say that, you know, maybe it was because of the way she was dressed. She was dressed like an Israelite, and she stood out as different from among the Hivites and the Canaanites. But the narrative, the narrative that we see here, doesn't blame Dinah. It doesn't blame the victim. But it's interesting that some more modern commentators do. Not unlike the fault placed today on the victims and our tendency as a society to blame the victim. So we continue with verse 3. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl to be my wife. He decided he wanted to keep Dinah as his own. He says that he loves her and, and wants his father, the king, to get me this girl. Shechem obviously was pretty used to getting what he wanted. Verse 5, now Shechem, now Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with the cattle in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came held his peace. Sounds kind of tame. It might have been better to say that he was silent, speechless. The cat got his tongue. 
It says he is waiting for his sons to return. But in another part of the narrative, when Jacob learns that his son Joseph, his favorite son of his favorite wife, had been sold to slave traders, Joseph was, I mean, Jacob was anything but silent. It says that he wailed, he was bereft. He put on sackcloth and ashes, the clothes of mourning, but not with the news of Dinah. With the news of Dinah, he was silent. And his silence in that case was not benign. Verse 6, And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him, just as the sons of Jacob came in from the field. When they heard of it, the men were indignant and very angry because he had committed an outrage in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter. For such a thing ought not to be done. And we continue, but Hamor spoke with them, saying, The heart of my son Shechem marriages with us. Give us, give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall live with us, and the land will be open to you. Live and trade in it and, and get property in it. Prince is used to getting what he wants. And King Hamor sees this opportunity, an opportunity to develop a closer relationship with the Israelites and with his own people, an opportunity to gain some livestock and some property of Jacob and to blend the two peoples. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor, deceitfully, because he, Shechem, had defiled their sister Dinah. They said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you, that you will become as we are, as the Israelites are, and every male among you be circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and, and we will take your daughters for ourselves and we will live among you and, and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. Now, the brother, the brothers seemed to like this idea. It, 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 it seemed to pique their interest by becoming one people. Only the religious requirement of the covenant must be met, they said. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And all the young men didn't delay to do the thing because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his family. So Hamor... And his son Shechem came to the gate of their city, and they spoke to the men of the city, saying, <clears throat> These people are friendly with us. Let's, give, let's let them live in the land and trade in it, for the land is large enough for them and for us. Let us take their daughters and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will they agree to live with us among us, to be one people that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. And then he kind of sweetens the pot by talking about what they'll get for this. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their animals be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will live among us. And all who went out of the city gate heeded Hamor and his son Shechem, and 
every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. So Hamor, he sells this idea to the men of the city. They must have been crossing their legs at the time, but the monetary gains and the women that would be, that would be theirs, that was very enticing. They got plenty of land, Hamor says. We, we've got plenty of land. We'll let them share the land, and then they'll let us take their daughters, and, and we'll also gain their livestock and all of their property and all of their possessions. But then they realize, but then we realize shortly, that the brothers of Dinah have been deceitful. Remember that word? They deceived them. Her name is mentioned again, Dinah's name. And it's clear that this is a scheme of revenge. They are misusing the covenant of God and the covenant of circumcision as a tactic to weaken and debilitate all of the men of the city. So listen to this. On the third day, when they were still in pain... Two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city unawares and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword, and they took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. And the other sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. Then they took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones, their wives, all that was in their houses, and they captured them and made them their prey. What do you think that means? They made them their prey. The cycle of violence continues. We started with the rape of Dinah, and that is now avenged by murder and ransacking and raping an entire town. They kill all of the men and take all of the livestock and property, all the wealth, their wives and their children. They capture them and they make them their prey. They become the predators multiplying the violence of Shechem. And then the story ends this way. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, but if they gather them against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they, the brothers, say, should our sisters be treated like a prostitute? After all of that, Jacob still never mentions Dinah. Even as he bemoans the actions of, of attacking the Hivites, he certainly seems to be more concerned really about how it will affect his own reputation and his own safety and security. His sons do point to Dinah, but their protest is really negated by their wanton destruction and, and by taking of innocent people 
and their disregard for this sacred covenant of God. And Dinah is still silent. God, too, is silent in this narrative. Perhaps God is saying, in a sense, I want no part of this. I instructed none of it. I approved none of it. I have blessed none of it. None of this. God is silent. We hope someone will speak into the silence and save Dinah. We hope someone will speak into the silence of our own dark and desperate places and save us. Some 2023 statistics from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. In the United States, one in five women have experienced rape or attempted rape in their lifetime. One in five women. One in 71 men have experienced the same. Those at highest risk are girls and young women between the ages of 12 and 34. 83% of the victims of rape are between the ages of 12 and 34. Many of you know some of those women. Many of you are one of those women. A person in the United States is sexually assaulted every 68 seconds. 90% of adult rape victims are women, and an estimated 1 in 10 women has been raped by an intimate partner. One out of every four girls, one out of every four, and one out of every seven boys will be sexually assaulted before the age of 18. One in five women in college will be sexually assaulted. Thus, when taking into account the number of girls who are assaulted before they turn 18, there's probably a, a high probability that these women are often victimized several times over the course of their lives. 93% of sexual assault perpetrators are known by the victim 34% being family members. The perpetrators are overwhelmingly male, 88%. In the face of rape, there is silence. It is estimated that only 39% of rapes are actually reported. And of those, only 16% result in a conviction, and of those, only 6% serve any jail time. 6%. In the narrative of the rape of Dinah, there is silence. 
And silence speaks volumes. Jacob is silent when he learns that Shechem has violated his daughter. Dinah's mother and sisters are silent. They're not even represented in the narrative. The Hivite women and the children who are seized, taken, are silent. Dinah is silent. Her words are not recorded. And God is silent. This narrative never mentions God. Now, we know though that the tears of the suffering are not forgotten by God. They are not overlooked. Although God is not mentioned in this story, this narrative is actually bracketed by the presence of God. As Jacob comes into town, into Shechem, it says, and at Shechem, Jacob erected an altar and called it El Elohai Israel, God, the God of Israel. And then after these events, in the first verse of chapter 35, God speaks to Jacob, arise, go to Bethel and settle there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you. God may be silent, but God is not absent. God may be drawn into working in and through violence, but God can overcome even the most egregious violence. After all, God worked in and through even the most egregious egregious violence of the crucifixion of Christ. Remember, nothing can overcome the light. The light cannot be overcome by darkness. So in trying to make sense of this narrative, I did some digging into the people and the places and the encounters. The town was called Shechem in the time of Jacob. But fast forward, generations, and later that town is called Sychar, S-Y-C-H-A-R, and it's in the area that is then known as Samaria. Thus, with Dinah, we have this account of this woman who went out by herself to see the other women of the town and to be able to engage with them and, 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 and be gracious to them. She encountered a man who violated her and defiled her. But fast forward, fast forward to Sychar and the reverse will happen. A woman who had been shamed by the numerous men who she had been with for one reason or another, she goes out to draw water by herself in the middle of the day because it's hot and all the other women go at night. But she goes by herself in the middle of the day because she is ashamed. She goes out alone. And she will meet a man 
at this well known as Jacob's well, she will meet Jesus at this well. And he is not silent. He will tell her about the living water. He will tell her about the life that he has to offer. She will then run and tell the others, come and see this man who has told me all about everything that I have done. Can he be the Messiah, the Lord? No matter what has happened to you, no matter what has happened to anyone that you have loved, anyone that you love, God is not absent. No matter how dreadful or how dark it may be. Because Jesus is the life and the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness will not overcome it. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give thanks that you come to us. You come to us in Jesus Christ. And he is not silent. He knows all we have been through. And he loves us no matter what. We need not be ashamed because Jesus Christ can take the darkness and the shattered pieces of our lives and redeem them and redeem us. And so we give you thanks, O oh God, that you are not absent even when all we hear is silence. You are with us and you redeem us through the grace and the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. Amen.